Um, dear God, I just want to pray for Katie and the words that she's going to speak to all of us today. I know this can be a really difficult topic just to tackle, and I think it can be really sensitive to a lot of people. And so I just know she's going to do a really good job, and I just pray that you're with her as the words that she speaks to everybody and that our hearts are just really open and that we don't just listen and write things down, but we also apply them to our circumstances whenever we go home and just remember all the things that we learned today. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so because of it, whenever it is I ask questions, feel free to actually say things because we do have, you know, in the little intimate little presentation we got going on today. All right, so obviously what we're talking about today is hypocrisy. So have you guys ever heard of Liver King? Do you guys know who this is? Yes. No. Yes. Okay, you don't know who this is? Okay, so Liver King, what, he's this real buff guy. Um, he's, like, stacked. If you were to look at him, you'd be like, okay, he's easy, easily benching, like, 500 pounds. Well, he made his whole, like, um, platform based on the fact that he lives on like raw meat, all this stuff, um, recently came out that he like spends $11,000 a month on performing enhancing drugs. Um, so obviously he's losing like a lot of sponsorships. <laughs> What'd you say back there? <laughs> yeah, yes, hypocrite, hypocrite, absolutely. Okay, another thing that I wanted to talk about was celebrities and their save the planet stances. Um, you know, whenever they're talking about you drive like engine-based fuel or whatever, and your, your gas is killing the planet. And then you find out that they're literally taking private jets to go one state over. And it's like, oh, that's weird. Like, but you want me to also donate a lot of money to whatever organization that you're trying to set up. Hypocrisy. We also have politicians. Politicians, I think, are one of the main people that it's like, oh, you say your stance is this way. Turns out you're actually just getting money to support that. In reality, your lifestyle is completely different. Um, and then Christianity. Obviously, we get a bad rap. We get a bad rap for hypocrisy, just the way that we are living our lives. I think, honestly, too, we are held to like a higher standard. But in my head, it's like we almost should be. You know, we are trying to say that we are being like Christ in the way that we're living. And Christ is this perfect being. Um, so whenever we're doing sinful behavior, people are very quick to be like hypocrite. You're living hypocritical lifestyle. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I do want to first say that I do believe there is a difference between just struggling with sin and then just complete rebellion. So I don't want that to be like a blanket term of like, oh, because you're sinful, you are now a hypocrite. I think there's a difference in like intention and just like our actions going forth from the sins that we commit. <clears throat> but I did want to start off with just a couple of verses. Um, in Matthew 7, 4 through 5, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all there is is a plank in your own eye. You're a hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Um, I think this is something that we come into contact with in our own ministry. I'm, I'm assuming everybody else does because I've worked in a couple of different ministries where it is very quick to point out another person's flaws of, okay, this person's not loving. They don't share, they don't have the fruits of the spirit in their heart. Um, I think honestly, we tend to weigh like sexual sin in a sense of like, I know that they are making it with their boyfriend every other night and I know that they're getting a little handsy or I know this person's going out drinking on the weekends, but are we taking the evaluation in our own hearts of like, okay, yeah, they're drinking, but like you're attitude is terrible and you just went off on this guy because he accidentally like 
stepped on your shoe. And I'm saying that because that's been me. If I'm wearing my white shoes, I'm very, I'm very quick to be like, um, excuse me, why did you just do that? But like at the end of the day, we're both supposed to be representations of Christ and how is our actions, whether or not it's that sexual morality or just a bad attitude, exemplifying Christ and what we do. Um, in 1 Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Um, another just all-around big topic I just want us to understand is that at the end of the day, our choices impact those around us. And whether they feel like big or small choices that we have to make, um, there's people that are watching you. I think of, because of the fact that you know Emily's in uh, high school ministry, her daughter's watching every other high school that's coming around her. The people that are in and out of her house. I know she's not yet there, but she's one year, she's about to be one. But like her kid's going to grow up watching these girls as like her older examples and her literal aunt of like, what is she doing? How does she respond in these situations? I know that's been something in uh, just the campus ministry. I have three daughters um, constantly around girls. Um, and one of the things is, is like, I know even from personal experience of just growing up in the church, <clears throat> the people that are in these ministries have a huge impact on my kids' lives. And I know it's obviously on my shoulders, but there is someone in your guys' as well, because they're watching you. They're watching you how you live your life. Are what you're saying, is what you are saying and what you are doing matching up and aligning? Um, and there is just that, that weight. And it feels very heavy, because like, I think everybody in here wants to take very seriously the impact that they have on other people. Um, but it's just noting that like, the Bible's very clear of the fact that your choices will have impact, not just my kids, but your siblings, your coworkers, your own family, um, and just taking that very seriously. <clears throat> so whenever we were, Jake and I are obviously doing the, pretty much the exact same lesson. Um, and we were trying to go through like biblical studies of, okay, where is hypocrisy shown in such a broad light that like it's very clear how this had an impact on somebody. And it was like David was the number one person of, okay, we are going to focus in on David. This is how we're going to go in this direction. And whenever I'm setting up for a lesson, I typically like, <clears throat> I listen to a bunch of podcasts. I do um, a bunch of just studying of like the actual scriptures. And then I try to figure out like their beginning, their end, all the in between. And I went on like this deep dive of David. And now I feel almost like a David expert, but <laughs> I know I'm not because there's so much. So I really do hope that I am speaking very clearly with all the things that happened in David's life. Um, <clears throat> but also I think I'm pretty guilty of like almost separating David into like different bubbles. So we recognize that David, David, and David was the one chosen to be the next ruler and the next king out of all of his other brothers. He was like technically the runt of the litter. Some say he was a redhead, <laughs> but like he wasn't even at the residual presentation of like, oh, I want to look at all your sons. Like he was tending to the flock. So they his father wasn't even like, oh, David, or yeah, David could be this next person. He was like, no, it's not even worth their time. You stay back. We'll take these guys. And there was David, David chosen as the next king. And then there was David taking down Goliath. And it's like, I love this story. And honestly, I feel like I almost communicate this story way too much to my kids because I love it. I am like a, I'm a natural tough girl. So like anytime there's like an underdog that takes down the big guy, I'm like, yeah, you go what I want to do in my life. Um, but that obviously had such a big impact because Goliath was this 
huge man <laughs> that everybody was terrified. Literally nobody wanted to go up for him, go up against him. David's just like delivering some food or some delivery to his brothers. And he's like, oh, everybody's scared of this guy? No, I got this. The Lord's taking care of me whenever I'm fighting off lions and bears when they're coming after my flocks. Of course I can do this. And it's like, okay. And he does. He takes him down with a, with a rock and a pebble. And I love that story. It's so like uplifting. And you got David and his mighty men. Um, he, my brother actually just got a tattoo of Benaniah, and he has this army of men that will follow him and fight for him wherever he goes. Um, and like I said, empowering. You love it. You love to hear these stories. Um, he's also known as a man after God's own heart. Whenever you hear that, you're like, yes, that's who I want to be. I may make I may be very flawed, but if I'm known as somebody that is known as being a woman after God's own heart, I would be very happy with my life. But then, obviously, there's the blimp of David and Bathsheba. Whenever he's on his rooftop and he looks down and he sees this woman bathing and he's like, I want her. Let me have her and come and get me. Um, and he sends for it, gets the girl pregnant right away, <laughs> and then uh, tries to cover up his mistakes by having Uriah come back for more. And Uriah has very firm like stances on this. And he's like, this isn't fair to my brothers. I'm going to sit outside my house. I won't even go near my wife. So obviously David's plan is ruined. And then he takes that step back and he's like, all right, well now there's nothing else I can do besides kill Uriah. And Uriah is one of his men fighting for him. But he's like, I got to kill him. And he does. He has Uriah killed. He tells the leader of the troops to be like, send Uriah first in the battlefield, and then you guys pull back. Leave this man out to slaughter, basically. And then he takes up Bathsheba, and she is now his wife. And you hear that, and it's like almost everything has been foiled of all the other good things that you know of David. And in my head, I'm like, I can't even believe that this man who did such good things has his friend, like, murdered in the end. Like, it breaks my heart. It's so sad to see. Um... But I think, obviously, whenever you look at hypocrisy, it starts with a heart issue. It starts with the hiding of the sin and trying to make things better for your, uh, your own image and what you want of life. And that ultimately led to David's hypocrisy in his own life. Um, and we're going to look at just basically how we can identify different factors that can lead to a hypocritical lifestyle. And we're going to look at David's lifestyle, how that showed up for him, and how it can show up for us. <clears throat> And the first one, I think environment can have a big impact on how we can lead a hypocritical lifestyle or live a hypocritical lifestyle. In 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 3, in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. Um, I don't know if you guys were here years ago, but uh, not Rita. Hannah did a lesson on rooftops. And if this was just like I just gave you all my notes, I would just clip that lesson and be like, just listen to this. <laughs> You'll get it right then and there. Um, because she did a really good job, and it obviously, I, I want to say it was probably four or five years ago, and I remember it very vividly. I'm just very seriously how we should take our own personal rooftops. So if we look at just the Second Samuel situation here, David was on a rooftop whenever his, his men were fighting in a war. Um, and biblical times, 
kings went with their war. They were very almost seasonally based too whenever they fought in wars because obviously they weren't living in a time where like heat and shelter and food was all at the whims for them or whatever. So like springtime was typically the time where they would be off fighting wars. And David was sitting back in his palace and on his rooftop at a time where like it was, okay, so Bathsheba, sometimes I know people can get it kind of wrong and put a lot of blame on Bathsheba, but Bathsheba was practicing in um, like a ceremonial cleanse after her period. So like she was just doing what was normal at the time. And then David's on his rooftop and he sees a woman bathing. Uh, he's like, her, that's the one I want. Go get her, come get her for me. And I don't know if he went up with the intention of seeing a naked woman through her house and bathing and whatnot, but it obviously wasn't a place that he needed to be, you know? Um, and I do think we can be very guilty of that ourselves. I was talking to another girl in our ministry and I won't bust her out because honestly, I don't, she says things are pure at this current time. <laughs> um, and I believe her, I do. Um, but she was telling me like the time that she goes to bed and I was like, weird, because like I know you're like in your room before then. Like, what are you doing in this time frame? Because uh, like she was like, oh yeah, I typically go to bed at like one or two in the morning. And I was like, but you like entered your room at like eight p.m. What what were you doing <laughs> from eight p.m. to one a.m.? And I was like, you're watching porn. You gotta be watching porn, right? <laughs> and where I was like, it's okay if you are, but like let's talk about it. But you gotta be watching porn. And she's like, no, I'm not watching porn. <laughs> but um, think about it in the environment of like where we spend our time. I'm looking at that situation and I'm like, you have literally five hours of free time that you she say she was watching. The, what's that new show with Ginny and Georgia? Yes. <laughs> um, she said she was just watching Ginny and Georgia and things might have been pure. But I look at that and I'm like, that could be a very tempting situation for anybody. Say you did struggle with like sexual immorality or say like, honestly too, just like selfishness in general, if you're a selfish person and you're spending literally like a lot of your free time in your room by yourself, like you look at that environment, that's a potentially very dangerous thing. This could be your rooftop. I know it's not as maybe serious as David's rooftop, but I think we need to take into light of our subjective rooftops and notice and understand where are the environments that could lead to potentially dangerous sinful behavior on my end. Um, and obviously noting uh, where we spend our time. So whenever we try to think of a solution of that, change your environment. It's very simple. I like simplicity. But the environment that you surround yourself in will be the environment that overflows out of you. Um, so I think, again, this could be very subjective. I think this could be uh, whenever I spend a lot of the time at the gym and I can be surrounded by literal like shirtless people and they're in top condition of their lifestyle and I'm very happy for them. But, <laughs> but whenever I look at them, I can, if, I, if jealousy was something that I struggled with, that would be really easy for me to look at them and be like, hmm, I really wish that I had this. Um, because also too, they're not people that are gonna hold me to biblical standards. Like they're gonna hold me to a healthy lifestyle, which I do think is good. Um, but that could be very easy for me. And I think that's also a good note to make is like, not all the environments that you look at will be red flags. Like, it doesn't have to be that, but you have to understand what you struggle with and recognize, is this an environment that's good for me? Um, so, in Matthew 4, 19 through 20, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. 
In Matthew 4, 21 through 22, Jesus called them and immediately they left their boat and their, father, and their fathers and they followed him. Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them. And he got Matthew up and, fo- and Matthew got up and followed him. So whenever we think of a Christian lifestyle, it's, I think sometimes we can get a bad rap too of just like, oh, they're extreme, or, oh, I can't believe that this is, like, the choice they make. I think of even when Jake and I first started dating, um, and somebody was like, oh, it's, it can be really hard to be in a car by yourselves if you're sitting in a parked car for hours. I'm like, that's really stupid. I can sit in a parked car if I want to. <laughs> like, like, if I'm having a conversation, I'm going to have a conversation. It'll be fine. But I think that there was obviously wisdom in what they were saying. They knew struggles of my own heart, and they knew that that could be a potentially dangerous place. Um, and so whenever they're talking about this, it seems very radical to understand, like, the positions of where we need to notice our rooftops. But radical stance is sometimes the most important stance. Um, I think of, two whenever Jake and I, so I know I talked about sexual morality not necessarily being the only um, hypocritical lifestyle that can take place in someone's life, but that was a big part of my own hypocritical lifestyle. Um, I grew up in the church. I... I am like your quote-unquote church kids. My parents were youth leaders for me. Um, I started going to church when I was two years old. I've always known what the right and wrong decisions were to make. My, my mom did a really good job, honestly, at talking to me about sex. And so sex has never been anything that like I've been scared of by any means. And honestly, it was like known to be something good <laughs> in my household. Um, so not scared of it, but I knew that God wanted me to be um, pure for my, for my wedding day, for marriage, um, in any relationship that I took place. And that was something that I wanted for myself. Um, but... Obviously, that didn't happen. (laughs) Um, Jake and I were very quick to get into sexual morality. I can look at it and be like, yes, circumstantially, there was a lot of stuff going on in my lifestyle. So that's maybe why that I turned to this. But honestly, I think, like, I am a sexual being and I wanted to have, like, sexual enjoyment. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to sugarcoat that one. So we were very quick to get into a very impure relationship. And it was based out of impurities like whenever I look back at our the first time we dated there wasn't like a time where um I can look at it and be like oh that's whenever we were we were godly no like our I was not even just sexually immoral immoral but like I was very hot tempered um I honestly in joking ways I'd always be like Jake I'm gonna slit your throat if you keep talking like this but like that's how I communicated I was angry I was angry and just fooling around all the time um but after we broke up um I was talking to a bunch of people. Uh, I actually went to a different church at that time. And I was challenged of just like, hey, you've been living in this life. How can, how can we change it? How can we get, get you to not live in such a, like a sinful lifestyle? Because even after Jake and I broke up, I would literally just drive to his house and hook up with him. And not just the sexual stuff, but it would, it would just lead to so much more like sexual or so much more sinful behavior in my own heart. It caused lying, um, like I said, angry. There was just nothing good and godly about it. Um, and so whenever I looked at it, I did make the decision to move away and go to a different college, even though my initial plan was to stay and go to this community college back home. And it wasn't the most convenient. At the community college, I was going for free, um, had a place to live. I was surrounded by people that I knew and grew up with my entire life. Um, and it was a pretty big risk to go to Lindenwood, that's where I ended up, and start 
to, I don't know, make foundations there and build my, build some roots there. It was scary, but I did have to make that radical decision to change my lifestyle and change my environment in hopes that I could potentially not just be stuck in this cycle of sinful behavior and a hypocritical lifestyle. Um, but not just with the environment. I think we also have to look at the people that we surround ourselves in. So not just the physical setting, but the people that we are spending the time with. Uh, at my original hometown, there was literally no one holding me accountable. Uh, because I was the church kid, I also wanted to be viewed in a specific light. So I, um, I, I wasn't very forthcoming with sin, so I can't put it 100% on them. But I don't think that even if I were to say anything anybody would follow up with me. No one would hold me accountable. And honestly, I can be kind of an intimidating person. Or I think I was more so then, too. Um, so if people, I think, maybe wanted to, no one was going to go up against me. <laughs> and I had to really humble myself and be like, okay, new place, new environment, also surrounded by people that aren't going to put up with my crap and are going to hold me very much so accountable to the things that I am doing. Um, whenever you look at 2 Samuel 12, 5 through 9, David became very angry at the rich man. He said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this should die. He must pray, or he must pay for the lamb four times for doing such a thing. He had no mercy. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I appointed you king of Israel and saved you from Saul. I gave you his kingdom and his wives, and I made you a king of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you even more. So why did you ignore the Lord's command? Why did you do what he says is wrong? You killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and took his wife to be your wife. <clears throat> so before this, um, Nathan was telling the story of basically how this poor man was taken advantage of. And David got very angry for the unrighteousness or unrighteousness of this and was like, there should be punishment. There should be, some done, there should be something done wrong or something that this man should be held consequences for. And Nathan's looking at him and being like, dude, I'm talking to you. This is straight, <laughs> I'm gonna write about you. And if we think about it, like David was the king at this time. And I don't think, it, obviously, even whenever we think about challenging our leaders, sometimes I think that can be very hard for us because of like the position that they hold. But imagine if they are literally the ruler of your people, you know? Um, so I don't think that would have been an easy thing for Nathan to do. And that wasn't the first time that he did it though. Um, if you look, I actually loved diving deep into this, and I highly recommend doing it yourselves. Um, but there was multiple times that Nathan was sent from God to go to go to David and be like, the way that you are living is wrong. And we need that in our lives. We need people that are going to hold us accountable, and we need to surround ourselves with people who have wisdom and the knowledge and also the tact on how to do this. Um, and I think... I feel very spoiled in the fact that I have had that over the past couple of years, but I do know that there was a time that I didn't. And so seeking out those relationships and seeking out the people that are going to hold you accountable and hold you to the biblical standards. Also in 2 Samuel 12, 29-31, we see kind of more here of where David did change his environment. So I did just want to mention it. Um, so David gathered all the army and went to Rabbah and fought against it and captured it. He also brought out the, pe out the people of the city and forced them to work with saws, irons, picks, and axes. He also made them build with bricks. David did all this to the Ammonite city. Then David and all his army returned to Jerusalem. So Nathan, or, yeah, Nathan held him accountable. David saw this and was like, okay, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going up to war with my people. I'm going to change this. Um, and that's all because a man went up to him and was like, this is wrong. Without that, I don't know how much longer David would have continued to make just complete sinful choices. But surrounding yourself with people that are going to hold you to biblical standards. 
And this leads us into our second point of decision-making. So whenever we go through 2 Samuel of just the story of David and Bathsheba, and I am going to kind of fly through this, but you can see very distinct times where it was like a decision was made. The bad, the wrong decision was made here. Um, 2 Samuel 11.3. And David sent someone to find out about her. He could have left the roof. He could have not gone on the roof to begin with. But whenever he saw her, he was like, someone go find out about that woman. 2 Samuel 11.4. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Um, he could have not slept with her. Also, I'd like to know, I was, because like I said, I like to read different, like, versions. I like to read uh, different podcasts. I was listening to the children's podcast of this one time, of like how you would describe this to kids. It was really PG, and I was like, oh, and he lied with her, or something like that, and I just thought it was really cute. Um, but 2 Samuel 11.10, so he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? He could have confessed. This could have been his time where he was like, I did this, I need to make this right, but he didn't. Um, we have choices in our day-to-day -day lifestyles uh, of how to make the right choices, you know? I think, like I was talking about with the story of Jake and I, it's very easy once you get wrapped up in sin to then just allow that sin to snowball into a bigger predicament of sin and lifestyle choices. Um, and we have to understand that at the end of the day, we are responsible for those choices that we are making. Take ownership of that and be like, okay, I can look back at this time and see like A or B, and I chose B, and that wasn't the right path to me. Um, so I want us to evaluate, how do we go about making choices? Do, do we think of, do we seek wise counsel? Do we just go on instinct? Because just going based off of that, like intrinsically, we are sinful by nature. Um, for instant gratification, I do think of, I do think this comes to like sexual sin, yes, because sexual sin feels good. It's that instant gratification of, um, okay, that, that's nice. But also like there's the people that whenever they're feeling a certain way, they'll just go numb and read a book or watch TV. But like there's actual things that you could be dealing with instead of just trying to turn your mind off. Like what is, what's the choice here? I think of my own lifestyle. I was talking to Emily about this earlier of, I know it's so easy to pinpoint, like I said, the sexual sin, but there was one time I was talking to somebody about like, they lack self-control and they lack discipline. I thought they were really lazy and I was like, I can see how I gave you this, to, this project to do six weeks ago and it, on the last day is whenever you finally started making work for that. That's laziness. You don't have self-control in your day to day and how you're getting this activity done and you're not doing it well. And I was challenging this person really hard. Um, and I think of that in the fact of like, well shoot, I lack self-control. Like, I'm quick to anger. Uh, when I was stressed, even today, like, I felt myself getting really angry because I was stressed about giving a lesson later, and I was snippy. Um, but then also I think of my relationship with food, and I, I hate that because I'm like, gosh, that feels so stupid of, like, I have a bad relationship with food. I like to go to food for comfort. I like to go to food for just, like, I like this way this tastes. It, it feels, it tastes really good right then and there, but at the end of the day, like, is it good for me? Am I treating my body as this temple that God created it to be? And I'm not just like, you can't have desserts because I'm all for like everything in moderation. <laughs> um, but like, that's not me. I'm like a binger. And so like, 
you'll see me with a bag of Reese's and those bag of Reese's could be done pretty quickly <laughs> after I just opened them. Like there's no self-control in that. And that's just as sinful as somebody that doesn't have self-control in their relationship with porn or the sexual impurities of life. And so what are we going to for that gratification of the heart? What, what are we doing to seek out the fulfillment in our own hearts? And uh, the solution that we can make very easily to this is making biblical decisions. In Matthew 4, 1 through 10, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, the, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes up from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put, your, do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Um, in order to make biblical decisions, you have to have a foundation in the Bible. And uh, like I said, I totally get from the church kid standpoint of, well, I know the Bible. Like, it's fine. Like, I got this. But um, I was talking about earlier the environment that you spend your time in and the, the people that you surround yourself with is what's going to overflow out of you. I think if you have a firm foundation in Christ and in his Bible, and if you're getting the daily um, food that you need from there, that's what's going to naturally overflow out of you. And you're going to be able to base your decisions and the choices that you make confidently out of the word and not necessarily just out of what you're feeling at that time or just, well, I did this yesterday. It felt right here. You know, like you can sit back at that and look at that. No, no, I know this is what I should do because the Lord commands it of me. Um, and like I said, of the what you put in is what you put out in the same regards of even when I think of like my relationship with food and when I think of living like a healthier lifestyle, if I first and foremost put God as my day to start and what I'm basing like my whole life around. So if I spend my actual 15 minutes in the Bible reading it, if I spend whenever I'm on the phone or whenever, cause I clean houses. So if I spend that time actually listening to podcasts that are building up my wisdom and my depth of the Bible, my character naturally just follows more of the Bible. Um, and that's where I think we really have to understand that's where the root of everything comes from. Having your base be in the Bible, not your own, your own knowledge. And whenever you spend that amount of time in it, it's what's going to naturally come over for, like come out of you. And that's not to say that you won't have to seek wisdom because I absolutely have to do that still too. Um, but going for the Bible for the decisions that you're making. And... Um, also to know, I do, like, Jesus was tempted here. Satan was trying to tempt him for 40 days. And I want to make it known that, like, temptation isn't the sin. Temptation is normal. Temptation is just a regular day of life. Uh, even whenever it comes to all the sins of life, you're going to feel tempted. And I think to combat that, talking about the temptation before it comes becomes a, um, an actual action. So... 
it all ties in together. If you're able to have these close relationships and you're surrounding yourself by wise people, you're naturally going to just talk about that because you guys have good friendships. You've been putting in the time to build up those right relationships. So talking about the temptation before it becomes something that can actually like take a stronghold against your life and your heart and become a hypocritical lifestyle will help combat the actual sinful choices that we can make. Um, so in... Okay, so point three. We're going to talk about how we handle sin. So in 2 Samuel eleven twenty seven, after the time of mourning was over, David had brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. So David, whenever he recognized that he had made the wrong choices, he just was basically in, like, cover-up mode. And I think we can all get in that mode, too. Uh, even with just, like, the other day I was on the phone with Jake, obviously. <laughs> and um, I got, like, super snippy, and I was maybe yelling. <laughs> um, but he was like, hey, I don't need you to yell at me right now. I need you to understand we're both being kind of stressed at this time. We'll get it done. It'll be fine. And I just hung up on him. I was mad. Um, and I, I then, like, took five minutes, and I was like, okay, call him back. And I was like, hey, I think I was talking to you, like, in a stronger tone. But... <laughs> <laughs> Don't just try to make it like, what is it? Like, gaslighting. Gaslighting, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Don't just a gaslighting person. You knew. <laughs> Don't just try to gaslight the person and be like, well, you could have done some different things. And look, I've made the right choices here and there. I've been really busy in my day. I'm getting stuff done. I'm taking care of all these kids. Watch this. Um, but you can see David didn't accept responsibility. That wasn't his thing. He was like, cover up, make it better. Cover up, make it better. I'm still the king. I got stuff to do. We're just going to try to make this situation the best that it can be while I still get what I want out of this. Um, and he wasn't a, like, he was foolish. Um, it was very obvious that something was wrong. He had suddenly married one of his men's in the army and she was pregnant. Like, one plus one equals two. There's something, <laughs> something's amiss here, you know? No one, no one was fooled by David's behavior. Um, uh, and we need to understand that we can't hide things from God. So in Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who, to, him, to whom we must give account. So I know we can be very concerned with the way that we look. And uh, we want to be known in a certain light. And if that ever is becoming, like, that could potentially come tarnished, like, we want to do whatever we can to maintain that situation and maintain that status of things. And we can see how that's going to really affect David because there was a lack of ownership there. Um, okay, so the solution. Confess your sins with transparency. And before we just get into... David and how his lack of transparency really had a negative impact on him. I think of the people in my own life who live very transparently, and I feel like those are the people that have a following naturally. So whenever I think 
of Jenna Wise. Like, Jenna, I think people are naturally drawn to, and we love her. Like, whenever you're around her, you always have, um, you feel loved, you feel uplifted. And it's because of the fact that she lives very transparently. She'll be like, yeah, I did that today. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's like an ownership of who she is and who, like, God created her to be, but also the mess ups of her life. You don't have conversations with Jenna without her also being like, yeah, one time when I was in this crack house and this dude came up to me. Is this a real story? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's like a vast transparency in the way that she communicates to people. And that's the opposite of hypocrisy, living a transparent lifestyle. Living with sincerity and honesty and how uh, you explain like what you're going about in your life. So if we look at 2 Samuel 12, 13 through 14, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan answered, The Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. But what you did caused the Lord's enemies to lose all respect for him. For this reason, the son who was born to you will die. So, still living transparently and uh, living with honesty doesn't mean that there, you will be living without consequence. <clears throat> I think whenever we look at King David versus King Saul, and Saul basically like David took over for Saul because God was like, it's not for you anymore. You're not looking. You are no longer being blessed by me, man. Your choices are wrong. I'm giving this to David. The choice, the difference in how they responded to how they handled bad decisions, how they handled sinful decisions, was their repentance. Uh, that's how they were very much so set apart. God still used David in the his story, like just because of his time with Bathsheba, his story wasn't done, and we will definitely still hit on that a little bit later. But there were still consequences for Saul, whether or not there was repentance that take place. Um, his his son died. He and I, it makes me so sad because like you look at it and you're like, you can tell that there was. He knew instantly whenever Nathan said that to him, I've done wrong, I want to do better. And he was like, fine, God's not going to like make you lose everything right now, but there's still a consequence. Your son is dying for this. And that's heavy, that's hard. Like, whenever I think of my own sin, I lost a lot of respect within people's eyes. I was known as a liar for a really long time. Jake was known as, like, um, this playboy. <laughs> and, like, people didn't trust him because of the fact that, like, uh, he hid stuff. He was messing around with people. That's the same for me. Like, I I didn't have anybody to, like, that would trust me. A lot of what I was saying was second-guessed by people, and rightfully so. I was a liar. Um, but in 2 Samuel 12, 15 through 16, um, after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in the sackcloth on the ground. He died. It's really sad. And it does break my heart because, like, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see, like, somebody that, you know, they understand the mistakes that were made. But we can't protect you from consequence because then you'll just keep making the same choices. And consequences will help guide us back to the right path. Um, so we do have to understand that. With sinful choices will come consequences, whether that be your impact in the community that you're in. I know people that have like gone out partying with coworkers, and those coworkers probably won't come to church because of the fact that they've seen this person live a very hypocritical lifestyle. There's things like that. There's things where you flipped your switch on somebody for no big deal. That person probably isn't going to want to communicate with you for a really long time because of the fact that you had a sinful choice or you made a sinful choice. Uh, but understanding, oh, also, 
Uh, David Sons, they really struggled with sexual immorality. There was a lot of stuff, if you continue listening, I think Mackie actually did a really good job at still hitting on that. Um, Solomon was still one of his sons, which was cool, but there were still like imperfections in Solomon. And so you guys probably don't have kids at this time, but what we were talking about earlier was like other kids are probably watching you. But even when I look at like my own lifestyle, my parents did try their best at the current time of like guiding us to godly principles and a godly lifestyle, but because there was a lot of like hidden sin, um, I have naturally just picked up on my mom's like sin, some of her sinful behavior. She's the more explosive one. She's the one that's like more angry. And I'm like, yeah, I got that because I've seen that. That's what I grew up with. And I think you guys can probably look at like your own childhood, your own upbringing of things. Like you're being raised by people who are intrinsically sinful. We're going to pick up on that. David's sons picked up on the hypocritical lifestyle. They made very, very bad choices in the end. Um, so that's what, like in a correlation of that first point, take very seriously of this because your impact is very large. While you might not see the repercussions of it now, it's still there. Um, but I will say that thankfully God wasn't done with David. David still had, um, still had work to do and God still used him. Thankfully, because of the fact that I do believe that he had that repentance heart, that repenting heart, um, in 1 Kings 2, 2 through 3, 2 through 3, David said, my time to die is near. Be a good and strong leader. Obey the Lord your God. Follow him by obeying his demands, his commands, his laws, and his rules that are written in the teachings of Moses. If you do these things, you will be successful in all that you do and wherever you go. Even going back to Jenna and just the way that she uses her lifestyle, I believe that her impact is greater because of the fact that she uses her bad choices and her sinful choices in order to help the teens today. Uh, <clears throat> hey, I know that this is tempting right now, but this is what I this is the choice that I made at your age. These are the consequences I faced. Let me help you. Let me guide you. Again, Emily, I guess we just have a lot of these conversations. <laughs> and I hope she doesn't mind. I know she does it because she does talk about it. But we've talked about like her sexual immorality as... Um, in growing up in college and stuff and I know that that's something that's she deals with repercussions today of those choices and like her marriage and stuff but I'm so grateful for the fact that she does use those things to help the teens of like hey I was there let me let me use me as the example of like don't do this because there there's still repercussions while you feel that instant gratification there's still things that you'll have to deal with 10 years later even when you're, you're not making those choices right then and there so I'm very grateful for the fact that we have people that are using their things. <coughs> so use them. Use them. Accept, accept your consequences, repent, and then use it for the will of God. Because that's wherever, hey, that gives me like a sense of more, okay, good. Like, I'm glad that my terrible choices could help benefit you guys in some way, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's, I do believe what God even designs for us. God wants you to use those things. God's not done with you or what you are doing in your campuses, what your ministries that you're working in, your work environments, any of that, your family, like you have the ability to still break those cycles with godly making choices, whether or not you've lived a verbal lifestyle. Um, but you do have to make that choice to surrender and be obedient to God's word today. Um, so I am going to close us out in a prayer. I'm going to close this out in a prayer. Uh, okay, so, dear God, I just want to thank you so much for um, just being able to spend time in your word, God. I'm very grateful for just the example that David had in my own life of uh, evaluating of how to live better, basically, and how to handle sin in my own life, God. And I pray that I was able to communicate that semi-effectively to the women around us, God. Um, <clears throat> I'm very grateful for... Uh, 
just this weekend, being able to spend time surrounded by people that love you and want to honor you and their choices, God, and I do just pray that we are soaking it all up, building up those relationships, and really taking very seriously the commitments that we've made to you. Um, I love you lots. Amen. <laughs>